Hey guys, welcome back to Relate with Elevate. We are so thankful for you listening. I know we're not super frequent with our podcast as we are full-time clinicians. However, we do value taking time out of our schedule to have important conversations to educate people on what is available out there as far as healthcare and wellness and just to hopefully be a source of encouragement for people. And today we are doubly thankful for having Karen Ashley back on the podcast. She is a nurse practitioner that we spoke with last um, podcast about integrative and functional medicine. And we just resounded with a lot of her treatment philosophy. Um, We highly value looking at the root cause of what's, what's happening with individuals, why they're coming to us as physical therapists and as health and wellness professionals um, with some sort of physical dysfunction. But with that also comes emotional, spiritual um, dysfunction as well. And Karen specifically values, you know, looking at the person as a whole as far as their environment and their nutrition and using those um, kind of tools to help address what they might be doing in their daily life that affects their health and how to make those changes in um, their daily life that can help lead them to health and their overall goals of wellness. So today specifically, we're talking about fertility. This is kind of a, a topic that's personal for a lot of us at the clinic. And it also is one that I feel like all women of childbearing ages, a lot of the women that I see for pelvic health are dealing with it on some level. Um, whether it be someone coming to me for pelvic pain or who has just had a child and even trying to conceive later on, I've come across infertility a lot. And with friends, I feel like, um, and I think, you know, the other girls can empathize with, I feel like a lot of our friends are all struggling with infertility and I don't know, I don't have the specific statistics on what our current generation um, and why that's happening, but we just had a really great conversation with Karen on her viewpoints on fertility and even just shifting the mindset from infertility word to more subfertile states or subfertility where um, you're not necessarily sterile, but you know, there's some things that might be happening in your environment, in your lifestyle, in your nutrition that's affecting your fertility. So hope you uh, enjoy the podcast and there will be information at the end as well as in the show notes. She is holding a 12 week course, which is fully intensive, both for the uh, female and male who are trying to conceive. So it is both you know, both people in the relationship that are trying to conceive to build their family are involved, which we, and especially I believe is important just because any sort of difficulty with conceiving or when you've had a loss of an infant is highly stressful to your marriage. So she takes that into account in her course, which you'll hear kind of as she describes it. But I encourage you to go get signed up. Signups are tentatively ending this Friday. Um, and then the course starts next Monday, which would be the Monday after Thanksgiving. This Friday is 1125. And then the course would start on, I believe, 1128 of 2022. But she is also gracious to people. If you're hearing this a little bit late um, and you're listening to it later on, that you can always message her at Karen Ashley and P Karen with an I. She's not that kind of Karen. Um, so it's K-A-R-I-N Ashley N P um, on Instagram. And then 
you can also find the link to her course in our show notes so you can get a little better idea of what the course all entails. But hope you enjoy listening and reach out to us with any questions you had about the podcast. You can find us on social media as well at elevatewellness.llc or even at elevate.motherhood, which is our separate branch of talking all things pelvic health uh, and motherhood. So Uh, Don't be afraid to reach out and please share this with anybody, any friend, any family member who you feel like could benefit from listening in to what Karen has to educate us about. Hey guys, welcome back to Relate with Elevate. It's been a little while since we have been on the podcast, but we have Karen Ashley uh, back with us, who we did our, uh, I think our last episode with. We haven't done one in between, um, talking to her about what uh, functional medicine is, what integrative medicine is, and kind of what she does in her practice, which is all virtually based. Um, So today I had reached out to her to talk about the course that she has coming up, Hopeful Integrative Fertility. And that was on our list of when we did the podcast a couple of weeks back is to touch um, on a separate um, podcast dedicated just to this topic because we had a lot of personal experience with it as well as questions personally as well and thought a lot of the patients that I especially see with pelvic health would benefit from listening to this podcast too. So Karen, I'll let you talk a little bit about your course um, and what the goal of it is uh, and let you kind of go go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me again. Um, I love talking to you guys and I love keeping up with you guys on social media to see what you're doing and love all the services you provide for your community. And I just, um, I just love what you guys do out there. So, um, I have a course, um, enrolling and it's the pilot program. So I've never done this before. This is a new thing I'm doing to kind of educate women in a group setting because, um, Otherwise, I feel like I'm repeating myself to a lot of people and they're each paying individually for me to repeat the same information when I could talk to a lot of people at the same time for a lot less cost um, and then um, have them do it on their own schedule not have to worry about scheduling time with me and be able to listen with their um, partner as well. Um, and that way they can both hear the information. They both kind of understand the why behind what they're doing and also be part of implementing. So I know it can be hard when we hear information or see information somewhere to kind of relay that um, with the same effectiveness. Um, I know I have trouble doing that. You know, I go to the doctor and they tell me, you know, they talk to me for like half an hour and then I go home and try to tell my husband about it. And like, well, they said, um, <laughs> it's not the same. Know, like, I, yeah. yeah, I got, I got the, the whole just a bit, but, um, it's hard to relay. So, um, I like working with couples together because, um, those changes are better made, implemented and, um, continued long-term if both partners are doing it. Um, it's just a lot more support. And, um, I used to, um, be a research coordinator, um, at UNMC where I did my bachelor's and my master's degree. And the, investigator I was working with, um, she did mostly cardiac care, but she was interested in couples cardiac uh, rehab. And so she would do the same intervention with both husband and wife, whoever was um, the spouse of the person who had the cardiac event. And like to nobody's surprise, the couples that did cardiac rehab together did better than the ones where just the patient did it um, in all areas, you know, quality of life and um, physical health. So, um, that I think just really helps 
in as we extend that to the fertility discussion where men are often you know left out they're you know they give their sample in a very sterile situation like environment and then they just leave and that's it and the rest is focused on the woman when really uh it's a 50 50 thing and also parenting is going to be sort of a 50 50 um not all the time sometimes it's 60 40 sometimes it's 90 10 but overall i mean you're parenting this child together you're both in it 100 percent. so um yeah so i am starting off with um, a nutrition, a whole month of nutrition, uh, talking about the nutrition foundations, about blood sugar balance, about whole food diet, about choosing food and about um, how to build a plate and how to feed your family and not go broke while trying to eat healthy. And like, what is a fertility diet? What does it mean to eat well for fertility and reproductive health to, you know, to support your hormones, to support egg and sperm quality. Uh, nutrition is really the foundation of health. And so that's kind of what we're starting with. Um, and then I go into a, so it's 12 weeks altogether. Um, not each part is equal amount. Nutrition takes up the bulk of it. Um, the next part is on editing your environment, um, gently detoxifying your body um, and your environment through elimination of hormone disrupting chemicals, and then support of your body's natural detoxification system. This is not like you don't need a, a whole like $200 pack of detox protocol. You don't need coffee enemas or, you know, this like <laughs> what um, fads. What? Coffee enema. Like you you really use coffee in an enema? Oh, yeah. What? There's a lot of wacky stuff out there, people. I okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I saw someone that I, I like really trust as like a um, integrative medicine provider. And she had this whole thing about coffee enemas. I was like, oh gosh. So I look it up and there's really no more benefit to putting the coffee in your butt than it is to drinking it. So <laughs> I'm going to stick to drinking it. If yeah. she wants to put coffee in her butt, that's fine. No, it's a real thing. People like do just I mean, maybe don't Google it, but yeah. um, yeah, you can buy coffee enema supplies and yeah. No, thank you. Interesting. Okay. I prefer no. to ingest mine. <laughs> anyway, so there's all sorts of crazy detoxification stuff out there, but that's your body's detoxifying every day. So what we want to do is first not overload it. And then second of all, really support it so that it can do its work. So we talk about that um, and do a whole pantry overhaul and a fridge overhaul um, and then a, you know, personal care, cleaning product, everything, go through it all. Um, and then we have a whole section on sex and intimacy. Um, I call it making conception fun again <laughs> um, to improve communication and connection in marriage, support and be supported, optimize timing. Um, and then I've got a couple um, marriage and mental health experts lined up to talk. I have one already, and then I have two more interviews to do. This is kind of later on in the program. So I have those lined up in the next month to record. And so um, people who start off with the program will be able to like submit questions and stuff for, um, that they want answered. But that was something when I kind of did a survey ahead of time to see what people wanted to hear about, that was a huge part of it. People really wanted to know about how to keep, you know, yeah. keep communication and connection in their marriage when conception feels like a chore and it feels like an obligation. Um, they wanted to know how to be supported in their marriage during that time. So um, that was a big part that I wanted to include. 
Um, and then bust some baby making myths, you know, like laying down with your legs up or whatever, those kind of things. So, and then the last part would be like testing and targeting. So getting like the current research on the conventional and functional testing, um, treatment for specific diagnoses. So if you already know, you know, part of what's causing your, um, subfertility, then, you know, like PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, um, and ovulation, stuff like that. Then there's, um, I have specific targeted protocols for those things. And then if you're just like, I have no idea. And this is just taking forever. Maybe you have an unexplained infertility diagnosis, or maybe you've not even reached out to a doctor yet. And you're just like, I thought this was going to happen in a month and it's been, you know, a year or two now, and I haven't gone anywhere. This will help you make your next steps. So, um, that is, the four there, uh, it actually spells nest because I felt like, like building a nest was sort of, um, like a an image of what we're doing, well, you know, yes. when we want to become mothers is to prepare a home and prepare our bodies for, um, bringing new family members in. So, um, and I also have these like baby steps that I do throughout the program. And that was a, uh, pun intended also <laughs> to help like add small things during the um, every day or every week, just add small things into your life that make it actually make a really big impact. So um, it's 12 weeks. Um, it's not the nutrition part is probably a little more intensive, you know, with um, more lessons, but it's not like if you get like quote unquote behind that you're going to be left behind, you can just catch up whenever you want. And you always have access to the material. It doesn't go away. So um that is what I'm planning on doing. And this first group that goes through will be able to sort of help me mold the program and really make it what people want it to be. I know when you're, I get kind of scared when I go to buy a course or, you know, like um, continuing education, I'm like, am I already going to know everything that they're teaching me? Is this worth my money? Um, so being part of the first group, it can really help, you know, get your money's worth basically, because we're going to talk about what you want to know. So yeah. and that's I think what we're doing. Yeah. And I think that if people are scared, like you're already just going to tell them what they already know. Like looking back and hearing all the information that I know now, even when we we're trying to get pregnant with Carter and then ended up having the triplets too, like I was a healthcare provider and I mm -hmm. had zero idea about any of the holistic things that you could do to help with your fertility. Um, and I think that's, that's the way that most women now well, if you don't get pregnant in a year and then you're considered infertile and then you just go start on Clomid and then the work you do next phase. And um, I think there's still a gap. And then, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know either. I went through a period of subfertility between my second and third children. And I was a, I had a master's degree in women's health and I still didn't know what to do. You know, there was, it, it was still though, like, okay, now you wait for a year and I wanted to do something in the meantime, like, okay, I'm fine waiting for a year, but I don't want to just sit here. Yeah. If I'm not even ovulating, like there, nothing's going to happen in the next year if I'm not ovulating. And yeah. I didn't even, I mean, I knew how to tell that, but I, I only knew what I learned from like rhythm method in school. So yeah, there's a, a lot you can be doing in that meantime too. If you're thinking, oh, maybe I'll do IVF, but I'm not quite ready there you know, maybe I'll do it in a year or two, but there's ways to prepare your body for that to make that more successful too. So, um, yeah, I think I've learned all these new strategies within the last several years. And it just makes a lot more sense to me to go after a root cause and to really support the body in every way we can, rather than sit around and worry about, you know, yeah. why isn't my body doing what I want it to do? 
Well, and then it goes down the whole mental health rabbit trail. Of oh, absolutely. Checking your basal body. I mean, just obsessing over the daily tests that you can take or, you know, oh, now they have the hormonal or the ovulation tests that you can take to see if you're at your peak fertility or not. And like just spending all the money on all the tests at home to try and figure out what's going on um, mm-hmm. gets to be a lot too. Um, one thing that I wish that my healthcare provider would have explained to me is what hormonal birth control actually does to you. Mm. Touch on that a little bit, just to inform people on like, cause I feel like that's how our generation, that was a fix for everything. You have acne, here's hormonal birth control. You have painful periods, here's birth control. You have um, irregular periods. You have irregular. We're just going to jumpstart your period by starting you on this. Or like with me, I didn't ovulate. So then they were like, well, let's just start you on progesterone and create a fake period. And like just trying to mess with so many things medically that was a little bit frustrating to me. So I don't know if you could touch on that at all. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that I actually have a reel on my thing about that because it's still something that happens and we joke around about it a lot in like the women's health, like functional integrative space about how the conventional system does just hand out birth control like candy. And I felt that way when I was being trained 10 years ago, like um, I felt like a birth control, like Pez dispenser. I just had well visits all day and people were just coming in for a refill and then I get them or they come in to get started on birth control. And that was the solution for every period problem there was like heavy periods, irregular periods, everything. And there is a time and a place for hormonal birth control. I do feel like it's a tool that we can use in certain circumstances. Um, but that anything long-term and with hormonal birth control, anything more than six months is considered long-term. And I don't know anyone who's only been on it six months, you know, like people are on it for years and sometimes decades, you know, they're put on it as a teenager and then they never get off except maybe to have babies. Um, but it is, <clears throat> excuse me, a band-aid for a lot of those things. It doesn't make, it only makes heavy periods better because you're suppressing hormones. Um, and the progesterone that's in hormonal birth control is not natural progesterone. It's a, called progestin. And it has similar effects on the uterine lining, but not, it doesn't have the benefits um, of, um, hold on just a minute. <coughs> it doesn't have the other benefits that progesterone has on mood and sleep. So um, instead of getting at a root cause, it just pushes all the symptoms down. So, and I was talking to my husband about this last night. Um, and I said, and he's a physician. And I said, why aren't physicians dealing with the root cause of hormonal imbalance and just putting on birth control instead? And he said, we weren't taught. He never learned mm-hmm. like to go after a root cause of heavy periods. It was presented as some people have heavy periods. You can put them on birth control. That was like, this is the condition and this is the solution. The root cause was never um, addressed. And so like, were you given any tools to help women um, with their periods? And he said, no, absolutely not. (laughs) So he just, they just don't know. And so people are kind of, you know, surprised when they're told they might have like a hormonal imbalance or that their period, their heavy periods are not normal. Um, they've never been told that. And then they go tell their doctor and their doctor's surprised, you know, that this is about estrogen dominance. They just, they've not learned about it. So 
unless they've gone above and beyond and learned on their own. So um, we have a bunch of strategies for um, improving symptoms of periods. So a normal period should be, you know, 26 to 28, um, closer to 28 days up until about, um, I don't know, 34-ish. Um, and then it should be about three to seven days in length. No more than a pad or tampon of bleeding every two to three hours. No pelvic pain or headaches. Um, maybe some mild cramping, um, very mild. And then mild mood shifts, but no big swings, no feeling out of control. Um, but this is not what our society has told us or our culture has told us is um, abnormal. You know, we're kind of like, oh, periods are awful. They're terrible. It's called Shark Week. You know, you're just, it's awful. You're going to have to just yeah. deal with it. Um, none of those things are normal. It's not normal to feel out of control or to have breast pain or headaches um, or pelvic pain even. So um, any, oh, go ahead. Do, like the women who do have painful periods, they were just taught that they're being a baby about it. That Oh yeah. Like they're over amplifying their symptoms to get attention during that week. And it's like, no, if you can't function and you have to go home from school or you have to go home from work, that's a big problem. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. And then, you know, excessive blood loss can lead to anemia, which can cause heart problems. Um, it's, it's serious. And some of these women, like um, young women are, are underdiagnosed with bleeding disorders and their bleeding disorders are not worked up when they come in with a heavy period, they're just put on birth control. And they come to find out later that they have a bleeding disorder after they have surgery or have their baby. Um, so that should be included in, as part of the like heavy period workup. But no, it's not normal to be experiencing all these terrible period symptoms. Um, actually, the French call, you know, how we have all these words for periods like ant flow or code red. Um, but the French call it c'est la saison des fraises, which means it's strawberry season, which <laughs> sounds so much more beautiful, you know, and like a positive thing, you know, like, oh, this isn't like shark week, you know, we're like, this is terrible. It's like, oh, it's this time for the, stra the strawberries are in season. <laughs> the French are just cuter in general, but like, it just shows that like our society has really normalized abnormal symptoms. Um, so often when people have these abnormal symptoms, say heavy, painful periods, they go in birth control and it quote unquote fixes it and they come off. And they have the same problems coming back that they had in the first place because the root cause has not been addressed. So root causes being inflammation, dysbiosis, which is like a disruption in your gut bacteria, which impairs the way your estrogen is metabolized. Um, people who have anovulatory cycles, maybe having low estrogen, uh, people with low progesterone, usually because you're not having a really robust ovulation. Um, and so... Um, and there's some people with painful periods that just have higher levels of um, of prostaglandins. And so our, our like interventions are aimed at lowering those uh, prostaglandins um, and not with just ibuprofen and Tylenol around the clock because ibuprofen can disrupt your gut bacteria and Tylenol impairs your detoxification in the liver through depleting glutathione. And so, um, that whole Tylenol and ibuprofen around the clock thing is actually making things worse and impairing your estrogen metabolism instead of um, helping it. So temporary, temporarily might get some relief. And I understand why people do that because you have to get relief. If you can't function, if you're doubled over at work and you have a job like that, you can't just get up and leave, 
you know, in the middle of a consultation or, you know, you're working at a, on the phone or something like you can't just get up and leave. This is really hard for people. And it's takes a lot of time out of um, productivity, taking off work and school. Um, so it's actually a problem that can be addressed and should be, um, so that you're not dealing with lifelong, um, you know, issues, suffering. So. Did your husband say like, have they changed curriculum at all? To- you know, he graduated medical school back in 2007, maybe 2009, something early 2000s. So I'm not sure if they've changed anything. Um, I don't know anybody in medical school right now, but I, I would like to know that. Um, but they don't talk much. And um, they probably talk a little bit more about gut dysbiosis, but not um, a ton more, just that it is related to certain conditions, but they don't really have a method per se of fixing it. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of, and this stuff has been in the literature for a long time. I was just helping a client with psoriasis, um, which is a gut um, in imbalance. Um, and I found a paper that was written in 1981 that said, is psoriasis a bowel disease? And it's this dermatologist in California who's been treating psoriasis by treating the gut and having really great success. Um, so we knew these things back in 1981. And our most dermatologist treating, and sh- she came to me after being treated with a couple um, immune suppressants, and that's it. She had to find out that it was gut related on the internet, you know? Yeah. And then of course um, the rheumatologists aren't most of them, maybe some of them are um, the ones that are coming, people coming to me, their rheumatologists don't know anything about gut dysbiosis and leaky gut and how that's led to their autoimmune disease, even though it's all over in the literature. I mean, I just got to Google it, <laughs> you know, look on PubMed and I get all these studies popping up right away. So um I don't know. It's hard for them to go against the flow. You know, these doctors, they don't want to do something. They don't want to be like way different. They want to just do what everyone else is doing and follow the recommendations from their um, certifying organization um, so they don't get sued. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that like just from my own standpoint too, even in the physical therapy world, do you think people also just want a quick, easy fix too? Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to have to change my diet. I don't want to get rid of these things in my life that I enjoy. I don't want to, you know, make a bunch of sacrifices in my daily life. I just want to be able to take a pill and like have it work. Right. Yep. So exactly. Even people that seek out functional medicine do that. You know, they come and they, they're just looking for the quote unquote, like natural or um, supplement version of their uh, medication. You know, like I don't want to take this medication anymore, but maybe I could take a supplement instead. And um, maybe that will have a lot less side effects, um, but it's also not, you know, healing the root cause, which is inflammation and gut dysbiosis and um, really impaired stress response, you know, chronic um, stress activation. So um, yeah, it's, it's work, but it's something, you know, it's a lifestyle that anyone can benefit from eating well, moving well, yeah, supporting your body, manage, you know, recovering from stress. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. work. But, I mean, it's either that or have your condition get worse, become resistant to the medications, and then not have any solution. Yeah. yeah. So. That's the thing with fertility, too. Like, I wish we would – not that I would wish away that we had multiples, but just going about it in 
a not holistic way and having just traditional medicine give you Clomid and then give you an injection. And then we ended up with multiples. It's like, well, I know that was the path God had for us, but also could it have been a whole lot less stressful and a whole different mm-hmm. story? Too? Yeah. Just yeah. Well, you know, the multiples or the risks that come along with traditional medicine fertility either. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause IVF was um, sort of invented, you could say, as a way to bypass blocked tubes. So that was the the reason to do IVF was if you did this, um, that test, the uh, HSG, yep. And looked and see if the tubes are blocked and they would say, okay, we just need to bypass basically and take the eggs out, fertilize them ourselves and put them back in so that you, because of the blocked tubes, can't sperm can't get in, fertilized egg can't get out. Um, so that was, it was, that's what it was made for. And then now it's, the fertility band-aid to throw on everything, you know, you don't have to even work somebody up. They just haven't been pregnant for a year and okay, now it's time to do IVF. Let's just do that instead when they haven't looked into any of the root causes of, you know, what's going on. And then these people are having um, complicated pregnancies, complicated deliveries, complicated postpartum, maybe some like, you know, low birth weight babies or high, uh, high morbidity with their babies. And, and it's because they never solved the problem to begin with. You know, if there was a hormonal imbalance to begin with, it's not going to magically get fixed by pregnancy. So um, if the root cause of their infertility wasn't blood sugar imbalance and really high insulin and insulin resistance, then they're just, you know, going to develop hypertension and preeclampsia and um, diabetes in pregnancy, and then they're going to have issues with the baby, and then their issues with delivery, um, higher incidence of interventions with delivery, NICU stays. So, fixing, you know, IVF has its place, um, but it should not be used as a cure all for any cause of fertility. Yeah. Did you guys have any questions? I feel um, like I've been dominating the conversation. No, that's okay. <laughs> I have a question with like endo and PCOS. So when you work with clients um, with like either of those diagnoses, do you have them go get diagnosed by someone first and then you specifically work with like things like that, um, like for their fertility or how do you go about that with those clients? So that's a great question. Some people are coming to me already diagnosed um, and their advice from their gynecologist was, okay, if you have endo, just stay on birth control so that we can stop it from growing. And then when you're ready to get pregnant, then we'll try. And if it doesn't work, then we'll do IVF or IUI or whatever, or maybe consider a surgical excision. Um, So in that case, if they've already come with a diagnosis, then we work with um, targeting our interventions that way. If they come without a diagnosis, um, then there's functional testing we can do. And I can sort of see, um, from our functional testing, what some of the root causes are and go after those. And they wouldn't necessarily need an official diagnosis for us to address the root causes. So one of the root causes of, um, PCOS is insulin resistance there's functional labs that we can do and even conventional labs we can do to see insulin resistance. And there's things that we can do to improve insulin sensitivity through diet and through supplementation 
And so I don't really need them to have that official PCOS title to go after what's causing it. Um, with endometriosis, that's a little more complicated because sometimes they'll need a surgical excision, in which case I really love um, NAPRO technology surgeons. They do endometriosis surgery a lot and um, spend a lot of time um, in that procedure, really looking everywhere for those endometrial um, lesions all around the, the body inside the abdominal cavity. And so that would be a place to go um, to get that addressed. And then, you know, see them or another integrative or functional provider to work on the rest of lifestyle stuff and um, nutrition and stuff like that. But the NAPRO technology people are really um, up on all those sort of things too. So you wouldn't maybe necessarily need both, but that's definitely an option for people who want to optimize every aspect of their health. And then they maybe need to go see a NAPRO technology for their endometriosis or they do other things too, but that's one of the big things that they work on. Where are they located at? Oh, they're all over. They're just trained uh -huh. in Omaha at the um, Pope Paul VI Institute. And I think there's an online training they can do too, but the, they have a fellow or two every year that goes through there and then they go wherever. There's a few in Omaha. There's, um, there's one in Texas. I think they probably have a directory from their website, uh, but it's N-A-P-R-O, NAPRO technology. It means natural procreative technology. Gotcha. I guess it's just crazy to me that they, that a lot of um, health providers won't even like suggest diet or lifestyle changes. If you have, you know, even though like for me personally, like I had very like heavy, painful periods, irregular periods, terrible cramping, all of that stuff. And I've gone in, you know, for years, I'm 27. And I think the first time I went in for it, I was 17 years old. So 10 years ago. And like, I feel like the first three times I went in for it, they just, you know, the birth control bandaid. And mm -hmm. then finally, like a year ago, I had an ultrasound done and they were like, well, everything looks normal. So you're good got a phone call that said yeah everything looks normal so you're good mm -hmm. and it's like well mm -hmm. but I'm not because I'm still having like pain and like irregular and heavy periods and so then girl like, we need to chat I, <laughs> I know that's you poor what, thing but, no but yeah it's just crazy to me that they don't then recommend you know somebody like you well maybe you could try try this yeah and so there's two issues with that. The first one is they're not taught how to do diet and lifestyle. Like you go to um, like ACOG, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, you go to their website and it says like preconception care, diet and lifestyle, but it doesn't say what kind of diet. It doesn't say what kind of lifestyle. It's like, those are not defined at all. And so how do you know? And then, so how do the doctors know what kind of diet and lifestyle to do? And then how to implement it. You know, they're not trained to be a health coach. They're not trained to coach people um, in making those changes. Cause you can hand someone a form that says eat this diet, but if you don't really teach them how to do it or help them get a diet that fits in their lifestyle, it's not going to happen. Like, you know, they can't give them this eat this way, but also, Oh, but I have a husband and I have children or I'm on a budget or we don't have access to those foods where I'm from. You know, like there's so many things that go into that. And they're just not trained to do that. And then Second of all, what was my other thing? <laughs> um, oh, it's just hard for, you know, there's not a lot of integrative and functional providers around that 
um, I mean, period. And then second of all, that have a really good working relationship with the medical community. It's because sometimes we're seen as kind of like fringe or doing some crazy stuff or, um, and some people are, so it's good to be like discerning, but um, it would be really beneficial for physicians in the medical model to have health coaches and nutritionists in their office so that they could say like, oh yeah, you need help with your nutrition. You can go talk to so-and-so in our building, you know? And if they don't have the like knowledge to do that, at least provide that resource in their office because I mean, some of the services are covered by insurance too. So like there's no loss, but I think it's really important for physicians and um, you know, the integrative functional um, space to work together on these things. Just better for everybody. Yeah. And give me a phone call, sister. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think I've seen a little bit of a shift that like more providers will refer out for things, but there still is the old medical model of like, especially in rural Nebraska. Oh yeah. And even when I did not live in McCook, I, when I lived in other places that they just want to be the one person that is fixing everything for them. They don't, I feel like some providers just want to be able to do everything for the patient and not refer out. Um, not always. I feel like that's changing maybe a little bit, but yeah, if you don't even know who to send them to or how to help, that's difficult. Right. Yep. On their part. Absolutely. And same with being in an area. You can't know everything about everything. Oh yeah. None of us can. And so I think it's so important to know your limits and to know, um, your capacity to deal with certain things. I mean, not everyone that calls me, I'm able to help because sometimes like, you know what, this is not my area. <laughs> you know, I'm not an expert here and I don't feel like I would give you the attention that you need or give you the experience that you need. And so, as you know, find someone to send them on to um, that I trust. Um, and to have that network is really great because you don't just want to say like, oh, I don't do that or pretend like you can <laughs> and not yeah. give them the best care that they deserve. Um, but it's hard to say that too, as a physician that you don't know everything, you know, like that you don't know how to help this person because you feel like after four years of medical school and several years of residency that you should know how to take care of these things. Um, but we just can't know all that there is to know out there about, um, all the treatments for these conditions. So yeah, absolutely. But to going off our earlier thing on hormonal birth control, there's so many side effects to that, that um, keeping someone on long-term, not only having their symptoms come back that were there before, um, you're, you're adding on some nutrient, vitamin and mineral depletion, depression, anxiety. Saw a very alarming study about an increase in self-harm. It was like 9% of women that were put on hormonal birth control ended up harming themselves. Wasn't um, there a documentary on that? Yeah, the business of birth control. Um, it's actually free to stream right now, I think, for another day, maybe. They were doing trials on um, birth control, and some women were committing suicide. Yeah. Right? I think I watched it. I started watching it, at least, yeah. Yeah. 9%. And a third of those women of the 9%, this was a small study that I saw, but a third of those women had pre-existing mental health conditions. And you don't see anything on the um, warnings on birth control. There's warnings that, like, you shouldn't smoke because it increases your risk of uh, clots and stroke. And, um, but there's nothing on there about 
pre-existing mood disorders um, that I've seen. You know, certainly we weren't taught to tell to coach people that um, in my clinical experience. So um, it, we know that it increases depression, anxiety, and the fact that women are committing suicide is just unacceptable, completely unacceptable. Like, especially considering they're not warned that that could be a side effect. Like, oh, by the way, you might feel like you want to commit suicide. Um, so if you start feeling that way, you need to call us immediately or stop it immediately, or here's a number to call. But instead women don't connect the two and think, oh my gosh, now I, I'm just, I'm hopeless. I'm scared. I'm depressed. I'm going to end it. So if they're told be on the watch for this, maybe they would say, oh, I recognize this. I should get off. It's related to my medication, but they're not told. It's awful. Yeah. And so then they get recurrence of symptoms when you go off of it. Um, it causes vaginal and clitoral atrophy. So your clitoris can actually shrink. Um, and then your vaginal lining is not as, um, doesn't have the blood flow that it usually does because that's an estrogen thing. Um, cause, can cause weight gain and metabolism issues, blood clots, cardiovascular disease, headaches, um, not just IBS and dysbiosis, but also inflammatory bowel disease. There's an increased risk of inflammatory bowel disease like colitis, uh, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, um, increased risk of cancer um, in the cervix, in the central nervous system, in the breast. Um, and then it decreases thyroid hormones. And so it, you know, puts us on this snowball thing of, okay, I already was um, struggling with mental health. Like I already had anxiety. Now it's made worse. Or, and now I'm on a antidepressant. Um, and I think just, okay, I'm depressed. I didn't really, you know, connect it to the birth control. And now the antidepressant um, is causing constipation. And now I have to get on a medication for my constipation or the dysbiosis that occurred for my constipation and, you know, detoxification issues because I'm not moving my stool through fast enough. Um, then your thyroid hormones are decreased. So now you're on thyroid medicine and then now you have issues from your thyroid, you know, it's like it snowballs into, and no one realizes what started the cascade to begin with. And there's even studies on mate selection. If you've chose your mate while you were on hormonal birth control and start feeling different about them when you get off and feel like, okay, this is weird. Why am I feeling this way? It's like an actual, um, studied thing in the literature about, um, how mate selection changes based on, um, the time of the month. So when you're in your period versus when you're ovulating, you're attracted to different features. And then you're attracted to different features when you're on hormonal birth control versus when you're off. Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> Everyone's like, everyone here that was on birth control and they met their spouse is like, do I even like you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But so, you know, there's nothing that's like totally outside God's plan. <laughs> you know, it's all part. So, but it's, it's just interesting to see the relationship between our hormones and the way we think and the way we make decisions and, you know, the way we create, you know, it's very, it's all beautifully designed. Yeah. Did you have another question? Yeah, I did have one more question. Um, how much of a role do you think that like stress and like pressure plays on infertility? Like just those two things itself. Cause I know like several, um, females that are kind of struggling with infertility and, but it's, it's like early on in, you know, them trying to get pregnant and it feels like everyone already is like, okay, well then I need to start doing ovulation tests and I need to start taking my temperature kind of like Emily touched on earlier and I need to do this and do this and do this. And like myself included, I'm like trying to change all these things. Um, and 
I feel like that just does end up putting like a lot of stress and pressure on you. And I'm just curious, like how you think that affects fertility and like the ability to get pregnant. So it absolutely does. Um, stress affects hormones. We know that um, the literature is kind of iffy on direct link between external stressors in life and infertility. Um, but we know it's sort of bi-directional. So if you had some adverse childhood experiences and are living in a state of chronic stress or stress activation, you know, your cortisol is elevated or um, it's been chronically elevated so long that it just plummets and now it's like flatlined um, and you don't have any energy. Um, so there's that causing a disruption in sex hormones and in thyroid hormones. And we absolutely know that that can cause infertility if you're, if those things are disrupted. So, um, and then you have all this, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And all of the pressure is placed on the woman, first of all, um, to carry all that and figure out all this information on her own when her doctor's like, I'll run some labs and oh, they're fine. Um, just sit around and wait. And it's, um, it is a lot of stress. And then you're going back, you know, in it's a vicious cycle of I'm stressed because I'm subfertile and then I'm subfertile because I'm stressed. And I keep using subfertile instead of infertile. I use it infertile because that's what most people identify um, that word, but really it's usually subfertile. So infertile sounds to me too final, like you're sterile, you know, like there's no hope of, of, um, getting pregnant, but subfertile kind of more indicates that you are, it is physically possible, but that something, there is a barrier or multiple barriers preventing that from occurring. So, um, there are things that we could do to help the stress, um, system, the stress hormone system in our body to regulate. Um, it's hard because, you know, people just say, and it's on that um, ACOG list to manage stress. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what does it mean to manage stress? And how do you, um, how do you do that when you feel overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there? Um, which is hopefully something that this course is meant to alleviate, you know, that, that this is all the information that you need and that we're going to implement it um, slowly and in a way that you, that is not stressful and that can, um, really optimize all aspects of your health, but there are a lot of things, um, that you can do that are free, that are, take very little time to help your body to calm down and not get activated by every little thing that happens because the stressors in our life are not going away. Like you can't stop stress from happening. There are certain ways that you can avoid <laughs> certain stressors, you know, as we say this, like with family <laughs> coming up, you know, like with holidays and stuff, I know people get stressed out about interacting with people that they don't usually interact with. And, um, so the stresses are, stressors are not all manageable, but the way we respond is. So one of my favorite, um, trauma, um, experts always says that trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens in you. So things that we may not perceive as being super stressful, our body is still sometimes very much responding to those. So um, what I recommend to people who are just starting out and really bombarded by all the information that there is, is just really start off with baby steps and to really implement one thing at a time and not feel like you have to do all of it at once. And we put ourselves on this kind of imaginary time frame where when we want to start 
trying for a baby, it's like, okay, well, now my expectation is it is happening this month or next month. And then if it doesn't happen in those two months, suddenly I've, I've lost time and we're now we're crunched on time here. Like we can't go much longer. And every month seems like very overwhelming if this should have happened a year ago, <laughs> you know, and it's sometimes it's an arbitrary timeline that we're putting ourselves on. And sometimes it's, um, you know, we're older and the clock really is ticking for, you know, our hormonal um, capacity to create a baby. So um, actionable, small steps, one thing at a time is what I recommend. Um, and that you're not wasting time by doing it slowly, because by doing it slowly, you're actually being able to implement everything over time instead of trying to do it all right away and failing at all of it. So slow and steady. Yeah. Are you ever like, is any part of your course referring out to like PT or massage or like? 100% it is. <laughs> so I have, um, a pelvic floor physical therapist interview in the class who talks um, about endometriosis and um, pelvic pain and the therapies available for people going through endometriosis and in, uh, or just infertility in general, pelvic pain, vaginismus um, to talk about that. And then just in my practice, I'm referring to PT all the time for basically everything <laughs> just, just for living life. Yeah. Do they touch on like vagus nerve activation and parasympathetic work? Like does your public PT? No. Okay. But do you want to? <laughs> uh, I can. Um, Cause that's a lot of times like with my chronic pain patients, especially my pelvic pain patients, I'm doing a ton of education on vagus nerve and what it all innervates and how to, what are some simple things at home and why the diaphragmatic breathing is important and just giving them like the humming and, um, the diving reflex one where you're putting your face in cold water um, just to help stimulate vagus nerve as well if they're struggling with the anxiety and yeah no let's do that All of let's it. talk about that let's okay. put that in there I have a whole expert panel where I talk to different um, providers so a functional dentist um, which some people are like, why are you talking to a dentist? If this is about my ovaries um, it's all connected I like snout to tail as they say. So like, you know, the mm -hmm. mouth is the beginning of the digestive tract. So we're talking to dentists, um, talking to PT, because that's super important, especially for people who have, you know, pelvic adhesions, um, scarring from prior DNCs, um, for endometriosis pain, um, and scarring, um, mental health providers. I think I have three, um, two or three mental health providers. Um, one that is going to talk about, um, involving your older children. If this is a secondary infertility, how to talk to your older kids and involve them in the process. Um, and then who else do I have? Um, dentist, counselors, oh, a NAPRO doctor. Um, yeah, got all sorts of, and I can always ask more people. They, everyone I've asked has been very willing to participate. Um, so I can usually, you know, try to set up an interview with someone. And I had a, um, also a miscarriage, um, like naturopath, um, lined up too. So did you have any? Recurrent. No. Do you have any? No. Okay. Um, you want to like give a little spiel on how they all put the link in the show notes. Yes. But like when deadlines are, how they can sure. sign up. Yeah. So I've heavily, heavily discounted this 
course, um, because I want to make it affordable for people. I did like some market research um, before I made this and all these programs that are this intense, you know, as far as length and content um, are like over a thousand dollars. I saw one that was $7,000. Um, I have it on there for, I think, three ninety-seven, dollars um, and then a group discount. So if you find a buddy, it's a hundred dollars off for both of you. Um, down to 300 and then there's split pay options and then also when you on the checkout there's also split pay through a firm I think is what it's called where it'll it pays me but then it splits your payment um, multiple ways to do that and honestly if anyone is if finance is the only barrier and you're really committed to doing this then just send me a message and we'll work it out um, because I don't believe that finances should be the only thing holding you back <laughs> from learning these things um, having access to this kind of care. Um, but I've also found that when I give things away for free, people just don't do it. You know, like if you yeah. get like this, Oh, I got this free course, you know, you, you like get it in your email and you're like, nah, I'm not going to look at that. You know, I don't have as much invested in it. Whereas if you've paid a lot of money, like, Oh, I'm really going to like get everything I can out of this. Um, so that's my only hesitation with giving things out for free is that like, I want you to actually do it. <laughs> you know, I want you to have some skin in the game um, and feel like, you're really committed and some people can do that without the cost, but um, some people like us uh, free, just going to not look at this, <laughs> but I want people to get results. I want, you know, I want you to really take advantage of all this information and uh, be able to apply it. So um, uh, the enrollment is open right now and it closes on Friday night and then we start on Monday. But um, if anyone is like only hearing this like podcast after uh, enrollment started, just uh, shoot me a message on Instagram or on email. My email is Karen at KarenAshleyNP.com. Um, that's Karen with an I. So K-A-R-I-N at K-A-R-I-N-A-S-H-L-E-Y-N-P.com. Um, my Instagram is KarenAshleyNP. And I will email you the link to the page where uh, has more information about the program and uh, links to enroll. Okay, perfect. Now, I think the course sounds great. Just all the things you included, especially the complex that happens between husband and wife when you're trying mm -hmm. to are important because that's super stressful and sex is a chore and it's awful to have sex when you're trying to consider like when yeah. you're doing stuff. So I think that's hugely important and also getting the husband involved. Cause that was one thing I was going to say is they don't, don't, it's not that they don't care. I think that right. they care, but they just have no idea how to even talk to you or help about it. And that goes right. with infertility or miscarriage or anything that happens to you as a female. Mm -hmm. just, they care but they also don't know what to say or what even to do because they're they feel a little bit helpless too. I feel like in right. the whole scenario. So I think Absolutely. All, all of those topics are going to be vastly important as well as uh, you said three ninety seven. Mm -hmm. That's super cheap. I know <laughs> for the amount of information that you get. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay, super cheap. So okay, we'll share it on our socials, and then um, I should get this podcast up tonight. So. Okay, great. We're recording it on Monday, so it should be out. So hopefully people will get a hold of it before registration closes. So awesome. Yeah. And like I said, if it if you're like a day late or something, uh, it doesn't matter. Just we can jump in. That sounds good. Well, thanks for talking. Right. Yeah, you bet. And then just um, reach out to me on either social or email um, if you have any questions about the course or about um, integrative functional medicine in general. No, ch no cost to chat with me ever. So um, yeah, happy to help you get on the path that you need to get on. Okay, great. Thanks, Karen. Oh, you bet. Thank you. It's been great talking to you guys. You too. Bye.